Well, thank you, worship team. Uh, still celebrating that Christmas, that birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as, as we're closing down the Christmas season for 2021, we... We were blessed with a little bit of white down here, and it's interesting how different cultures and different uh, areas celebrate Christmas. I know in Australia, their big thing is getting to the beach and, and lots of different places depending on what they got around them. That's, that's what they focus on in Christmas. We like to see snow. We like that, that freshness, I guess, of what it is, and that's exactly how Christ should feel for us and that, that, that birth and that, that God coming to earth. And so, as we start this morning, um, I'm going to read a passage, a little bit of, out of this uh, Oswald Chambers book because he says it so much better than I could ever say it. So, we'll start off with this. We start off with Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. His birth and history. That holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus Christ was born into this world, not from it. He did not emerge out of history. He came into history from the outside. Jesus Christ is not the best human being the human race can boast of. He is a being for whom the human race can take no credit at all. He is not man becoming God, but God incarnate. God coming into human flesh from outside it. His life is the highest and the holiest entering through the most humble of doors our Lord's birth was an advent, the appearance of God in human form. His birth in me. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Just as our Lord came into human history from outside it, he must also come into me from outside. Have I allowed my personal human life to become a Bethlehem for the Son of God. I cannot enter the realm of the kingdom of God unless I am born again from the above by birth totally unlike physical birth. You must be born again. This is not a command, but a fact based on the authority of God. The evidence of the new birth is that I yield myself so completely to God that Christ is formed in me. And once Christ is formed in me, his nature immediately begins to work through me. God evident in the flesh. This is what made so profoundly possible for you and for me through the redemption of man by Jesus Christ. What a redeeming thought that is, is that we had nothing to do with Christ Jesus coming into this world. And yet he came into this world only for each one of us. And so today, as we, as we look at the word, we're going to be 
talking a little bit about the birth, but then we're going to talk about the day after. And we're going to talk about focus. And we're going to talk about that birth that's in us. That new life. That life-giving power of Jesus Christ who came only for each and every one of us that we might live. That we might live in truth, in light, and in love that Christ is so eager, as it were, to have us know and understand. And how sometimes we let the flesh then reroute us or circumstances. And we will be talking about a lot about focus. Where is our focus? Where do we keep Jesus? Do we keep him in, a, in our back pocket and we pull him out when we need him? Or is he always right here? That we don't have to pull him from anywhere. But he's right here always. He is our focus. So, we, we, we focus a lot of times on the baby Jesus. And, and we forget that that baby Jesus is God. Who left his glory, his righteousness in heaven and came down here to earth as man, as flesh to redeem us to die to be resurrected that we might live to take that atonement that's meant for us that penalty that each one of us deserve and yet he took it on himself so Philippians 2, and this tells us that what that, some of that, what that looks like. Who being in very nature God. Just picture that. Jesus Christ walking here on earth, and yet God. That righteousness, that glory here on earth. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a, an example, what, a, what a, a true sense of God leaving his glory and coming to earth that we truly might see the significance and the value that it is to have a Redeemer. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was light. Of men. And, and we want to keep this light, this understanding 
that Christ is the light of our lives. He is the true life in us because this flesh is not life, but the Spirit of God is life. That we might see, understand, and be acquainted with the kingdom to come later on. Matthew one twenty three brings us even closer to that. It says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we go all the way back to the very beginning of God's word in Genesis. In the beginning, God. Sometimes, just to picture God. In the beginning, God. What does that look like? What does that feel like? This, this righteous God that's full of glory and power. To, to, to just grasp even a small portion of that is sometimes hard to get a hold of. And yet, through Christ, we get this a lot. We get some feel of what this looks like. Because Christ at one point says, if you see me, you have seen the Father. So, with these passages, we should have a, a, a better view uh, of what God sacrificed by coming to earth, by leaving this throne and becoming that servant. So that was a, a, a little bit about the day of. This is the birth of Christ, the perfect gift that God could give us, the Savior. So what about the day after? What does the day after look like to say Joseph. We talked a little bit about Joseph last week, and, and, and what it looked like is, is obedience. And are we truly obedient to God the Father? Are we grasping what God has for us by just being obedient? By being in the Word? By understanding? By, by being in it constantly? Uh, we, we get up and we give messages and we give little snippets of verses and we, we give little portions of a chapter. We give such a small piece of this book. But it's up to each and every one of us then to take that, to take it home, to take it to small groups, to companions, and delve into it, to ferret out that true understanding what God has for us. So, then are we obedient as Joseph was? Um, as God directed, it says he was obedient to do his will. Uh, Matthew one twenty four says uh, that we should be always ready, always willing to follow God. And we go into that and uh, we actually go to 2.13. When they had gone, 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. See, he did as commanded. He got up and he went. And, and that's where we want to be. That was Matthew 2, 13 and 14. And even Mary, before the birth, as, as we look at Luke and, and see what Mary's response was, and that's uh, one starting at 26, but the main crux of that whole statement is at the end, after the angel is talking to Mary, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. She'd been walking with God. God found her in favor. And yet, through all the cultural lack of understanding, this was inconceivable at that point. And yet, she was obedient to God. And, and are we that way? Are we ready and able, wanting to be obedient? And we, we look at obedience as something of, sometimes it, it, it's a challenge for us because we look at it as cracking the whip. And yet obedience to God is just truly love. Truly Truly just that wanting to have that great relationship. I, I love it when Scripture talks about being obedient to Christ and husbands being obedient to the wives and wives being obedient to the husbands. And, and, and we love the fact that we want to be obedient to Christ. But we hesitate sometimes when it says be obedient to your spouse. We go, wait, wait a minute. That flesh kind of takes over and it goes, hold on here a minute. And yet, guess what? Being obedient to each other, not just in a marriage, but friendships, right here in the unity of God, being obedient to one another is truly the greatest form. Humble ourselves to walk with each other, talk with each other, be with each other, encourage each other. That's obedience to God. In one portion in Scripture, it says to be below everyone else. What a concept. And yet, if we do that, that peace and joy and understanding of God the Father really comes through. So we, we look at obedience. We, we, we look at these New Testament. We go back to the Old Testament. We go back to Genesis, and his, here, was a, here was a great test. This was a great test of Abraham. And there, but there's some quotes in here that really brings it home. And I'm going to read a, quite a bit of this passage because it's so relevant when we think about obedience. We're usually not charged as Abraham. We're usually not put to that depth that Abraham had to endure. And 
I listen to commentaries on this particular scripture, and they talk about what Abraham was thinking and what Abraham might have done or whatever. But the scripture says it like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. What a great quote. Are we there? Are we saying, here I am? Or are we going, here I am. That I might have to answer. But Abraham says, no, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. You see that? Early the next morning, he's going. He didn't wait. He didn't put it off. He didn't, didn't do these things that we so often do. He went. He, he just got up and went. How many times do we do that? Or do we hesitate? One little He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, listening. Think of Abraham having to listen at that point. Think of the times that we don't listen. I, as I young men or, or get talking together in a companionship, we, we always talk about this. Am I listening to God? I might be praying to God. I might be reading His Word, but am I listening? Am I doing? Am I being obedient? Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Do we give all to Christ? Or do we want to hold something back? In Genesis 6, 9, it talks about Noah. And the first thing we, we kind of see in the, in the tale about Noah, the, the, the word of God tells us that Noah walked with God. And in 6.22 in Genesis, it says, Noah did everything God He did everything God commanded.
So, you and I, are we obedient to the God of the universe? No matter what or where we're at. In, in Acts, in the New Testament, it talks about Stephen. And I love Stephen's story. Because Stephen was actually picked to... Um, serve. And not only that, serve the widows, which in that culture was a bad thing, but not widows of that particular tribe or that particular Jewish belief. These were widows outside of that ring. And the complaint came up that the disciples weren't treating them equal with giving them the bread and whatever they gave out at the table. So, so they said, well, we, we need to the men that are godly men to, to take care of this, to, to work on this. And, and I love the, the way they, they, they state it in, in 6, starting at 3. It says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer the ministry of the word. And yet, at this menial task, and sometimes we pass these things up. We say, no, I, I need to teach a class or I need to do this, rather than doing our best to serve in whatever capacity God gives us to do that just to serve. And yet Stephen, in all of this, was able to have a great ministry, not just with those women and those people in that culture, but he started talking to the leaders. And so even at part of that says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith because of simple disciples. And I say simple because God chose the simple. He chose us to spread His word. That, that's amazing to me that God chose us to further the gospel and talk about Jesus Christ our Savior. And so Stephen was ultimately stoned to death because he was a great preacher? No, because he read the Word of God. And that's basically what he did. He read straight out of the Word, just telling them the history, the knowledge, the understanding of the Word of God. So no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, no matter what position, as it were, that God has us in, we can always be that light for Christ. We can always be that river flowing to someone else. And sometimes our expectation says, well, I want to bring a whole crowd to Christ Jesus. Let's concentrate on one person. Just one person. One at a time. 
then God will use that if we're obedient to him through it. So focus. On the day after, are we focused on Christ? Or are we still focused on that good feeling that Christmas brought us? And yet Christmas, for believers, for us, Christmas should be every single day. Every single day we should celebrate that Every single day we move on to Easter. That death and that resurrection of Christ. Every single day because it's a celebration. And yet we jump from one special day to the next special day to the next special day. Rather than focusing on Christ who was all of that. We focus on certain events the life of Christ rather than focusing on Christ himself. Because Christ is the armor. He's the salvation. He's the all to it. He's protecting. He is giver. He is Lord. We get caught up in the world's idea of Christmas. Uh, we were talking earlier. and it's, it's, it's a sad state. But the documentaries of the different singers and, and, and celebrities that that sing these wonderful tales of the birth of Christ. And yet sometimes they're so stoned they have to literally physically carry them into the studio to do it. And, and then we got the further other cultures sing these words and yet have no idea the meaning behind them. And as I was uh, researching this, I actually ran on to how some of the people who wrote these songs had devastation in their lives, and yet they still went on to sing, to write these songs that live with us literally forever about the precious Savior. And yet in their lives there's devastation. And yet, at the same time, we so often, one thing, one circumstance in life comes along and we get so devastated, we forget this is where Christ is. Christ is there always. He's always faithful to us. He's always there for us. So, do we look for the next miracle Christ is going to present to us? going to go, just show me one more thing. It, 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 it's interesting how the disciples got to this point, you know, and, and uh, it, they they wanted, even though Christ had, he, he started doing the miracles, he, he made the water into wine, he, he walked on water, and he fed the 5,000. And it, it's just so Poignant that at that point they're still saying, Lord, show us something really good. Show us something really good. Then we will believe. Well, how does that work out and how did it work out for them? It didn't. It didn't. You know, and Thomas, after the resurrection, says, You know, I'm not going to believe until I. In the hands of nails. 
And Jesus said, you know what? Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Do you have to see the next big Do you have to wait for the next day to see something great happen before you will believe? Or are you ready to reach out right now to touch lives? You know, I've heard it many times that, well, if I would have been back there and walked I would have been different. And yet we have more information, more detailed information about Christ than even those who walked with him had. And yet, where are we? Where are we? We question. We take things for granted. We do these things that keep us just that little bit. Just that little bit. We don't keep him in that focus right now. So do you believe? Do you trust? Are you obedient? Have you surrendered? Surrendered every last ounce of this to him? Are you giving to God your all? Do we die to the flesh? Do we let this flesh go to let the Holy Spirit rule in our lives? To work in us and through us? Are we faithful, moving forward with a confident hope and the power that is our Savior? This is the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 says, Eight says, the Holy Spirit gives you the power. The Holy Spirit is the power. All we got to do is just grasp a hold of it. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. This is just one example in the New Testament that shows us that we need to get rid of this. We need to open our hearts. One young man says, you know, I just feel like I need to rip my heart out and let God fill it up. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to let go of these earthly things and go on with those heavenly Those things that God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, points out to us. So here again, we we look for that bigger sign. We, We look for all of these things that go on in our lives that really say to us, where am I with Christ Jesus? Am I a fan or a follower? So many times, fans, if we are that, gets blown to us. We just go with whatever's happening next, you know. Uh, we hear so many times, well, you know, I'm going to 
I'm going to change churches. I'm going to go to a church that believes more what, what I want to believe. Let's go to the church that preaches Christ and Christ alone. Let's believe in Christ. Christ the Savior. Christ the Redeemer. Christ the Crucified. Christ our one and all. Christ died that we might live on. Are we steadfast? Are we deliberate in seeking out Christ? Are we deliberate in wanting to understand? Are we deliberate in wanting to obey? Are we deliberate in all of these things to keep Christ the focus of everything we a lot of times on the day after, what is the day after Christmas? The day after a great event in our lives, the day after a tragedy, the day after something is the hardest time we go through. Because for some reason, good, bad, or indifferent, we've taken our focus off of Christ. The day after can be devastating or it can prove us out. Which is it going to be for each one of us? Are we going to be there or going to want that understanding that Christ is truly Lord in, your life, in our lives? I got another passage here. I'm going to read another portion of this that, again, says things that, that I'm not really capable in my vocabulary to put out. That's why I read these, because they do such a good job of pointing out just, just where Christ is. And that's what we want. We want true understanding of what it's like to be in Christ. Colossians 3.3 says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. The Spirit of God testifies to and confirms the simple but almighty security of life that is hidden with Christ in God. Paul continually brought this out in his New Testament letters. We talk as if living a sanctified life were the most uncertain and insecure thing we could do. Yet it is the most secure thing possible because it has Almighty God in and behind it. The most dangerous and unsure thing is to try to live without God. For one who is born again, it is easier to live in the right standing relationship with God than it is to go wrong provided we heed God's warning and walk in the light. A lot of that comes out of 1 John 1.7. When we think of being delivered from sin, being filled with the Spirit, and walking in the light, we picture the peak of a great mountain. We see it as a very high and wonderful, but we say, oh, I could never live up there. However, when we do get there, through God's grace, we find it not a mountain to get on but a plateau with pleasant, plenty of room to live and to grow. You enlarged my path under my feet so my feet did not slip. Psalms 18.32 When you really see Jesus, I defy you to doubt him. If you see him when he says, let not your heart be troubled, I defy you to read. It is virtually impossible to doubt when he is there. Every time you are in personal contact with Jesus, his word 
words are real to you. My peace I give to you, a peace which brings an unconstrained confidence and converts you completely from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and the peace of Christ Jesus cannot be disturbed, has been prepared for you. What a wonderful statement to think about Christ as our to be certain, to hope without doubt, to hope without fear, to understand, to search and seek out the truth that is in the Word of God. To truly understand and want and desire His all in our life. That we might touch, that we might know that He is truly God. Precious God, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you, as we, as we just settle our hearts and our minds to know who truly God, Lord, if there's a heart out there right now, no matter where they're at, Father, may you touch them, may they feel free to come forward, pray, or there may be a heart that doesn't know you, or it may be just a heart that's troubled, Father. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, Lord, you are there. Lord, may we be responsible as the unity of Christ to reach out to each other and be a blessing to each other. Lord, not just especially in this season, but always, every day. Every day. The day after. And Father, we praise you. Thank you for your might, your power, your glory.